Tumbling Saber is proud to present the Luminous Beings Podcast. Deep dive conversations into the heart of Star Wars. Brought to you by the Tumbling Saber Patreon community. Become a powerful friend today and get access to tons of our exclusive and early access audio content at patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's time for another episode of Luminous Beings. I'm Kyle. I'm Nathan. Man, oh man, welcome back everybody to, a, to what's promising to be a great and interesting episode of Luminous Beings. Uh, Nathan, what is on the slate? Well, okay, it could be a disaster. <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't started yet. Let's, why you gotta be setting the bar so high like that for Kyle? Oh man. All right, so this is our Balance of the Force episode. It's been a long time coming. Um, I'm excited and terrified to get into it. <laughs> yeah, it, this is one of the, the the issues in Star Wars where there's somewhere there's an answer. I just don't know where it is. Like, I have no idea. Well, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's intentional on the storyteller's part. Um Filoni claims to know whether he actually does or not. I don't know. But <laughs> I wonder if Lucas really has a grasp on it. I feel like I feel like he's wishy-washy depending on the story he's telling. Well, um, well, well, that in a nutshell is me. Like, I've never really had a strong take. Like, we've talked about it on the main pod before, Balance in the Force. And I'm always like, yeah. eh, maybe, sure. Like, I... As more content gets added and the topic addressed in canon, like my take has only been less and less strong on it. Like, and I, and I've really had no urgency to have it defined for me because, like you're just getting at, I don't think Lucasfilm really has a firm grasp on what it means. No, uh, I th- I think there's definitely core tenets that run through, and I think that I think that generally there is an answer, but I think it's pretty flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they can apply it to, to different stories, which I think is smart and reasonable and uh, fine. But I think that if if they were, and I don't think they ever will, but if they were to lay it out in a book, um, this is how I think it would be laid out. Um, first of all, I just want to say I, I think a big part of the problem is the word balance. Um, I. Th- I think it has, I mean, it's a word that has many different meanings and I think it has, um, I mean, the, the imagery of scales would be most associated with it. Uh, you know, people hear balance and they think, oh, equal parts, one thing and another. And I think that's the, probably the biggest reason why Rick's theory about the balance of the force is wrong. <laughs> Not to call anybody out. What? <laughs> uh, but yeah. I, <laughs> well, that, I, I forget what, if, if you wanted to hear Rick's take, he, he sent in a, a, a great email, a great voicemail, yeah. actually. That was, oh boy, that was an episode. I want to say like 208, 210-ish. Yeah, it was back in the fall, I think. Yeah, maybe. Was it that far back? I think so. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I thought the Earth was flat. Well, that too. Yeah, but it's still a circle, Kyle. Get out! Come on, man. Keep Pro- up. Got it. Got it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, no. Rick's theory was real fun and interesting to listen to, but uh, uh, total bull. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> Sorry, Rick. Uh, I, you know, just here to speak the truth. Uh, but, but I think that honestly, though, I think I think that that word balance really throws a lot of people off, and puts that image in their mind when it's really a different kind of balance than uh, than that scale imagery would would evoke. 
Um, the way I think about it is, is a more naturalistic view of things, as in like the balance of nature, uh, the way that an ecosystem would be in balance. Um, or, I mean, you could also look at it in that, uh, in how, uh, think about a balanced diet, you know, a balanced diet is not equal parts, uh, carrots and arsenic, (laughs) 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 you know, I'll eat, I'll eat one kilo of, I'll I'll eat like three pounds of grease and three pounds of carrots and I will be perfectly healthy. Yeah. I mean, it's. That that's not what a balanced diet a balanced diet is, um, you know, many good things working together to um, sustain a, a a person. Uh, or same with an ecosystem. Um, an ecosystem is many many parts working together in a system uh, to sustain itself. And I think that's really what balance in the force means. Um, you know, yeah, think, I think of... Sorry, I, I think that is probably the most useful analogy for balance in the force. Like if, if we look at planet Earth's ecology mm-hmm. and then humans' roles within that, humans are... Like right now we're in this struggle of doing things to help the environment and doing things that harm the environment. If we right. all just collectively jumped on a spaceship and left the earth would snap back into balance before right. long. It would do what it needs to do right? to balance itself. And it would be fine. Uh, but when you put us in the mix, you know, and we're pulling on earth's resources and it's, it's, uh, you know, the, the very nature of the planet itself, we, we throw things out of balance. Right. I think that's a useful way to look at it. Yeah. And, and it's, when you look at um, both of those analogies, it's uh, well, and, and I mean, really, when you, th- you you can consider the, I mean, the force is a part of nature, so you can consider the force to be part of the ecosystem of the universe. Um, but you know, for example, when you look at the body, uh, there are uh, light and dark aspects to it. You know, there are, you know, you, you've got, you've got the breaking down, you've got waste, you've got, um, the expenditure of energy and, and all these things. When you look at an ecosystem, you have life and death, you have day and night, hot and cold, light and dark, you know, all of these things play a role. You have creatures that are more tuned to nighttime, to the dark, to the cold, to the day, to the light, to the sun, to the heat, you know? All of these things. So, yes, uh, light and dark are in balance, are, are and are part of that balance, and they work together. Like the way I think about it is, um, the dark side is the absence, and the light side is what fills that absence. So, cold is the dark side. Cold is the absence of heat. And then there's heat. Heat fills that absence, fills that void. Darkness is the absence of light. Um, you know, all of these death is the absence of life. Death, death is sort of a base state. I mean, we think of death as sort of its own thing, but like before existence and after existence are the same state. <laughs> you know what I mean? So death is the same as before something was born. Yeah, I mean, it's, this this all is all very oddly reminiscent of when Luke starts training Rey in the Last Jedi. And she's talking about exa- death exactly. and life and applying it again to our our world. You know, fossil fuels. It's those yes. things that die off eons ago that give energy now to the Earth today. Yes, and around and around so, we go. So that's that's the thing is, I mean, and we see in that scene that you're talking about. Uh, the first lesson, Luke's first lesson, is that all of these things are connected and all of them create the balance together. But everything has a role to play. Uh, And, you know, look at a bat. A bat is nocturnal. Its place is in the dark. But 
a uh, I don't know oh an, a day animal <laughs> a deer <laughs> a deer right a deer is is a, a daytime creature uh so you have these things and they have their place and the 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 thing is the reason that we view the jedi as a good thing and going to the light and why go you know you seek the light is because the light is what fills that void you know it and it, it's just the way of things but you look at at, at um, a culture like the night sisters the night sisters are inclined to the dark side and i do think that there are there are certain species and cultures and individuals that do bend towards the dark side, like the Night Sisters, or say Anakin or Ben Solo. They bend towards the dark, um, and the reasons why that would be, um, I mean, I don't think there's any way to explain that at the moment. Uh, you, we could theorize, but. I don't have a concrete reason for those things, but the night sisters are part of that balance. They, they bend towards the darkness, but that doesn't make them evil necessarily. It that's And here's the other thing. I don't think that evil and the dark side are one and the same. I yeah, think that's you can an be, interesting idea too. I, I, I don't think the night sisters are inherently evil. Yeah, because they uh, never seem to be the type of people to like, well, we're, we've got this power. Let's go out and use it. Let's take over. They just kind of hung out on Dathomir just doing their thing. Yeah, and I mean, you can look at the way that the males are treated and say, okay, well, there's clearly not great things happening here. <laughs> but I don't think, like, in in the grand cosmic scale, I don't consider them evil. I think they're they're bent towards the dark side, and I think that's just their natural state. Um. Whereas you look at um, what's a another, I don't, well, and it's sort of how you see uh, different different species that tend to be sort of um, smugglers or bounty hunters. You know, oh well, let's let's take Wookies. I think Wookies tend to bend towards the light. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and you know, oh, I can't wait very, to meet. Uh... What's his name? Buriaga Agathuri? Aga, yeah, whatever his name. Agathuri Bakathuru or whatever. Can't wait his name. to meet him or her. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure if it's a boy or a girl, but. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think they, you know, they, they're very naturalistic. They they uh, have a very close relationship with their with their planet. And um, yeah, I, I they just strike me as. A species who would bend towards the light, but then you have things, you know, creatures like um, Rodians, say, um, who might bend towards the middle or sort of the gray. And I mean, we we spoke for a second about this before we started recording, but we do think that that you can be in the gray, but that means you're not a Jedi. A Jedi is in the light, on the light side. Um, there's no such thing as a gray Jedi. There are gray people. Um, I would say that Han Solo is a gray character. But yeah, Luke like Skywalker when she is walks a light away. side character. There's no gray. What you know? What, I think Ahsoka is maybe that flashpoint character now, where she's she's kind of walked away from the Jedi. I would still sure. almost call. I, I I wouldn't call her gray by any stretch. Like to me, she's just, she's still a Jedi, but who just doesn't want to be affiliated with them. I think Ahsoka's more in the light than any other Jedi we yeah. see in movies. Um, so yeah, it's uh, now when we get to the Sith, the way I think about the Sith are and why they're such a problem, and the reason that they throw the Force out of balance is I think the Sith are an invasive species. Dom- um, dominance, consumption selfishness um yeah i mean they they consume and don't and don't uh give back you know it's i mean 
death, the reason for death in a in an ecosystem is to nourish more life, new life. But the Sith just consume and consume and consume and don't give anything back. Um, Sith are the cigarettes <laughs> of the Force. You know, you get all these good things. You know, and, you know, cigarettes, they feel great, you know. It's, but all they do is destroy. And it's, it's uh, the, you know, there's nothing good about them. There's no nourishment. And that's how I view the Sith. I don't think it's just because they're in the dark side. I think it's the Sith having a particular ideology that um, is just outside of the natural order. You know, it's like it's like Palpatine uh, trying to live forever. He, I mean, he straight up says abilities that some consider to be unnatural. You know, he's, it's outside of nature, uh, the, their goals and the things that they want. Sure. So and also, like he also had that that notion that he could he could learn to control reality itself. Yeah, and we we see that kind of play out in, in a little more detail in Rebels, where he's he's trying to access world between worlds. Like he wanted the ability to almost like paint by numbers of of the entire mm-hmm. universe. Just I want it to be this way, and yeah, he was doing he was into all kinds of stuff to try and make that happen. Yeah, and and it's it's very clear to me that um, I mean everything everything they they touch is the Sith touch is unnatural I mean look at Vader Vader himself is he's more machine than man he's he's an unnatural creature you know he uh, you look at I mean think of the clones the clones themselves unnatural uh, and I mean, this is this is something that I've thought about for a long time. Um, but it, it it's an interesting question to see how introducing millions of clones um, into the galaxy all at once may have affected the Force. Um, True. And then I mean, then we look at Rise of Skywalker, and we find out that he's he's still doing that. You know, he's. He's haunting uh, unnatural clone bodies, and he wants to um, persist in an unnatural way by living through the next generation of Sith. And this is the Sith way; they they can't they can't they accept their to... own death. Exactly, and, and that's that's one of the aspects of taking, taking, taking without giving back. Right, they won't die and contribute to the force. They won't contribute to um, the natural way of things. And, and it can be argued. You could argue that okay, the Jedi aren't either because they continue to live, but they're living within the force. Somehow, the Sith are living uh, through. Uh, a long line of Sith bodies. And it's, I mean, it's clearly different. It's clearly portrayed differently. I mean, again, I mean, you want to get into the specifics. I don't think the answers are there for how force ghosts and uh, Sith spirits differ. Uh, But I, I I don't know the Sith. The Sith just don't. The, the, the Sith have so, no respect. Is, is is sort of one way to put it. They just they don't care yeah. about the natural laws of of the universe. They exactly. see everything. <clears throat> everything is there for the taking for themselves. If it's in service to yeah. them, they are. They see themselves as sort of like the, the rightful heirs of, any power or benefit that something could could bestow. Right. 
And then even if you want to talk about, um, if you want to go back to that analogy of the scales, um, well, there, there's your unbalancing right there. The Sith continue to take and take and take from the other side of the scale, and it's out of balance. So you can still use that, that scale analogy if you want. So you can use every definition of the word balance if you want. But that's what it ultimately comes down to, is the Sith take and they throw the force out of balance by taking and not contributing and and just and warping warping the force to their own will rather than the Jedi way of using the force and working with the force. Like you said, they have no respect. Sith don't respect the force. They view it as a tool. Um, they expect everybody else to respect the force, but they don't. They, 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 Palpatine sets himself up as equal with the force. Yeah, he. Uh, they, I, they think they have dominion over it. Yeah, uh, they they view themselves as the natural um, heirs of the force. You you never hear the Sith talking about the will of the force. No. No, no, because that would in, that would suggest that they they're not in control. Yeah, and it's you, look at how differently Palpatine and Yoda view the future. Yoda understands that the future is in motion and that it can change, and understands that the will of the Force is fluid, and. You know, because that's how nature works. Nature is fluid. Nature doesn't doesn't have a, a a consistent will. It it has a tendency towards a certain direction, but there's no certain path. You know, you never know which way a river is going to flow. Uh, you never know um, how like, a tree like, is going to grow. Like. Nature will burn itself to the ground in order to give it to re rebirth itself. Like wildfires exactly. in California and Australia, of course they've been assisted by humans who are doing stupid stuff. But mm -hmm. a brush fire, forest fires are a natural phenomenon that clear dead wood, so to speak, so that new stuff can take its place. Right. But Palpatine sees the future as this um, sure thing because he can't conceive of the force not giving him what he wants or not the future not bending to his will and his plans it's so you can see the two sides of that coin there doesn't that sound like a certain and, segment of star wars fans oh wow <laughs> it's almost like people miss the entire message of star wars how could that be there, there's no messages in star wars it's just fun oh right god Lucas wasn't saying anything. No. Well, I mean, this is all paraphrasing, but Lucas has commented before about how the light and the dark, they always exist. Like, you don't snuff one or the other out completely. It's there, Even if only slightly and in the shadows, like, the yeah. dark will, will is still there. And same with the light. But like, in, in the aftermath of... of Rise of Skywalker, everybody's best friend and favorite screenwriter, <laughs> Chris Terrio, uh, he, <laughs> he came out to say that uh, Ray's what victory... What an asshat. <laughs> uh, like he, he came out and said that Ray's victory against Palpatine restores balance, but that it's by no means a permanent victory. And I, mm -hmm. that... Hey, Chris Terrio said something that kind of makes sense and that kind of lines up with what Lucas said. Let's give him a gold yeah. star for that one. And, and that... That lines up nicely to me with, you know, Luke and Snoke talking about powerful light, powerful dark, and light rising to meet the dark. Like all yeah. of this, it, it kind of hints at the not even really hints. It just it's kind of overt, uh, like the the cyclical nature of the force falling out of balance and then um, you know, snapping back into balance. Right. And then a separate thought with that is. 
if they're really going to dive into the idea of, of a whole cyclical thing, it really does make me afraid <laughs> that they'll mm-hmm. revisit the Skywalker saga again and, and who knows what, do what. But anyway, I digress. Well, I, I don't think you have to because, like, I mean, th- this is how nature works. It's just like you said with wildfires, right? Like, things will persist in a certain direction for so long, and then there you'll have a period of devastation, and then things will return to normal. Um, but that happens to varying degrees, right? Like, how many times what, did, did something happen to restore balance uh, in the lead-up to that, that devastating fire? Um, and then finally it was just, okay, this needs to happen. Right. And of course we're talking about nature as if it's the force, as if it has a will. Um, so it's, I mean, well, look at the high Republic, right? We're going to see some huge turbulent time. Clearly the Nile, whoever they are, uh, are bent towards the dark side. And I mean, we've seen hints in the, I mean, at the end of that teaser that there may be an even greater evil at work somewhere. Well, I, I know. And I, I like, I like what Rick said, actually, when we talked about uh, high Republic, when it was announced is that the Nile, Hey, could, could this be an in for Darth Nihilus being a, a string puller? Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, they could they could bring anything in, or it could be brand new. It could be. Uh, I I I don't know if it, I I feel like Darth Nihilus would have to be a pretty huge, uh, pretty huge adversary, and I don't know uh, that close to. No, yeah, no, I, I don't know that, that it means that he would necessarily be in it, but just that these are like acolytes of his. Oh yeah, sure, that could be that. That would be real interesting. Um, but yeah, they're they're sort of a threat, and obviously they're going to be a big deal. But I don't think that we should would consider. I don't think we'll see the Nile to be um, the sort of threat to the balance of the force that Palpatine is. No, certainly not. Uh, but of course, a threat to the balance, nonetheless. Um, yeah, I mean, as long as we get new Star Wars stories, whether they're in the past or the future, like as long as the Jedi are involved, I think it's a pretty safe assumption that the Force is threatened, or like the balance of the Force will be under some kind of threat. And it, yeah, you know, it's, it's always going to be an issue that they have to address. Like, like it, with the High Republic, I, I, I can, I can easily see them struggling against the this rising dark side that they're not, you know, in this era they're, they're it's peaceful. They're probably not super well equipped to deal with a rising dark side, but it's coming. Mm-hmm. And, and somewhere along the way, somebody mentions something about a prophecy about bringing balance and everybody kind of just shrugs and goes, well, do you know who this person is? Do you know where to find him? And of course that person mm-hmm. is still 200 years off, but yeah. you can, I, I can see that being a, a way they, 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 you know, some way to address balance of the force. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, just like in nature, you'll have, you'll have the struggle to, um, maintain that balance and you'll have the back and forth, you know, it's okay. You had fish, you've been eating a lot of fish and so now you need to eat more vegetables, uh, because eating all this year or say, you know, you've eaten a lot of salt. You need to drink water. You know, it's, it, it's, it's cause and effect. It's, uh, responding to, to other stimuli. And that's the thing. You may have a period like the high Republic where you have this, this wave of dark side, and then you have to respond with the light to address the dark side. Um, but I think I think the thing is, um, I, the Jedi probably interpreted that that prophecy of the Chosen One to be permanent, and they probably viewed, you know, whether they believed in it or not, the idea was probably this is probably going to be some messianic figure, <laughs> and just he's going to, yeah, and he's going to, you know. 
gonna bring the kingdom of the force to 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 the galaxy and you know you, there are all kinds of religious parallels you could draw but I, I, I think it was just um, in this moment the dark side is going to be so strong the Sith are going to be so strong that it's going to require uh, a very specific and powerful um action of the force to restore balance so you could say that anakin is the wildfire <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah that, no, yeah that, that works because he's he does and, sort of and, help bring it all to the ground exactly and and fire is devastating darth vader was devastating um but in the end he restored the balance and brought everything back to zero. Wait, so you're, um, you're saying Anakin did restore balance? That, that's what you're saying? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Just wanted to confirm. Yes. Because <laughs> there seems to be some Why? issues Why? around that. <laughs> well, well I, I think it's pretty clear. Uh, and obviously things, it wasn't permanent, but I don't think that Palpatine ever... I, like I don't think in the sequel trilogy, uh, balance was ever out as as out of whack as it was in the original trilogy. I think the the era of the Empire was the most out of balance the Force had been in thousands of years, at least a thousand years. And I don't think Rey quite had as large a burden on her shoulders as far as. Uh, restoring balance, uh, but she 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 also restored. Ba- I mean, that's in the movie. She also restored balance, but I don't think she was, you know, uh, the force's response to imbalance the way that Anakin was, because I don't think things were quite as out of whack. Yeah, I mean, along comes the dyad to sort of yeah, muddy the and waters. that. That could be a different um, a different iteration of the force responding to imbalance. So maybe things were as out of balance, but I, I don't think I don't think one negates the other. I don't think Anakin uh, negates Ray or Ray and Kylo or however you want to look at that. You know, I think one thing that's that's challenging about balance of the force is that there's no visual cues in t- in the text of the movies to say that the force is out of balance now. Like when you go planet to planet, like if you go to cloud city, people are just doing their thing, you know, like there's, there's nothing overarching to say that the galaxy, there's like something is off about everything everywhere. And it's a disruption in the force. It's an imbalance in the force and it's causing everything to be bad, but it, it, it doesn't seem that way. There seems to only be, you know, force users who, understand this or feel it at all like nobody else seems to know or care well i think it's a it's an underlying sort of dread sort of i mean it's fear right ultimately it comes down to fear and no matter your position in the in the empire no matter what planet you're on no matter you know, no matter who you are, what you are, you always have fear. Um, whether it's of the Empire coming, whether it's the Empire occupying, whether it's the Death Star blowing you up. You know, Imperial officers aren't safe. They're governed by fear. Um, and I think that's the base of it. Yeah, because, you know, you think of Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> <laughs> and like when people, the more negative emotions that came out of New Yorkers, the more that pink ooze manifested, right? And it, it, you can almost yeah. think of of fear that way, where the more fear and oppression and uh, negativity that the Empire would sow in people, the more those feelings, that negative energy, would fuel the dark side. Yeah, well, fear is my ally. Ally, right? Mm-hmm. It's. 
I, I think I think that the Sith's primary weapon is fear. Um, whether that's you know um, for fueling their own power or for um, fueling their oppression, um, and and on many levels, I think literally their fear is what gives them their their power in the Force, but also fear is what gives Palpatine political power. Uh, even before he was the Emperor, he was using fear to give himself more power. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. But again, no politics so, uh, in Star Wars. Uh, no. M- making no, people of afraid of, of things and, uh, <laughs> and, then, and then using that situation to snap up power for yourself. That... Imagine that. Oh, there's, wow. There's, there's no earthly parallels to that. Remember no, that, no, 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 no. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear, and I think Lucas has been really clear that fear is really what drives the Sith. It's, you know, more more than evil, more than than suffering, more, and all of those things are obviously very important themes for the Sith, but I think underlying all of the rest of them is fear. Um, so, yeah, that's... that's well, it's all it, interesting. It, it's it's really interesting and very flexible and malleable depending on your POV. But sure. in a universe where you know Lucas has said that you know anybody can learn to be a Jedi, you know that's a, that's yeah. in Rinsler's book. If you just focus yeah. enough and practice enough, you can do it too. Mm-hmm. Which which is a weird thing, but anyway, it is what it is. But if again, like the, I th- like I said, if I you, think Finn's been practicing. <laughs> If you get everybody to kind of tap into the force, even unknowingly, by sowing mm-hmm. fear, and fear being the path to the dark side, you're really widening that path to the dark side on a galactic scale. Yeah, and, you know that's another way to look at it. Because one thing I've never put any stock in, and this is this goes back to the, like the broken telephone of. Uh, you know George Lucas talking about it, and then Dave Filoni talking about it, and then Freddie Prinze Jr. and his view of it. Like there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of broken telephone there for me because like he, Freddie Prinze, like he got all on this whole like, well, you had Sidious and Vader, and then what did the Force do? It created Luke and Leia, and it balanced. I'm like, whoa, yeah, you lost me, Freddie. You had me, and then you lost me when you went super deep with the two and two. It's that to me is never been. No, any part. Well, of it. and it doesn't make sense anyway because Luke and Leia were conceived before Vader was a thing. Before there was a Vader and Palpatine. <laughs> yeah, you can even and t- you can say, well, he could have the Force could have preemptively. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, you, you but that seems. That. Yeah, but yeah, like, but then if that were the case, then you would never have a Jedi Order because then you'd have ten thousand on this side and two over there. Like it doesn't. You can't make it a math equation no well and the i mean the force wouldn't be concerned with that anyway the force aren't concerned with what faction you're a part of you know i mean the force uh is on the side of the rebellion they're not all jedi there's one jedi well two jet three four uh, okay four (laughs) jedi (laughs) in the rebellion that we know of Right, you're talking about so, uh, uh, Kanan, uh, Ezra, Luke, and maybe Cal. <laughs> maybe Cal, maybe Ahsoka. She, uh, she well, kinda... Ahsoka's not a Jedi. Yeah, she's not a which, Jedi. Which again, which only helps my point. But <laughs> you know, the Force isn't concerned. I mean, Ahsoka is a great example of that. The Force isn't concerned with what faction you're a part of. It doesn't care how many Jedi there are. It doesn't care how many Sith there are. It cares about the state of itself. It cares about the state. And, and I mean, you could get into this and, you know, talk about, well, which side of the living and the cosmic force is affected and which one is trying to correct the other and is one unaffected by these things, but the other is, you know, I mean, this can get infinitely more complicated if you want it to but basically it's you know the rebellion itself is one of the avatars of the force that is fighting against the imbalance 
Yeah. And, 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 and you could argue, okay, well, the Jedi are a more direct um, approach, but ultimately the Rebellion is sort of one of those mechanisms like we would see in nature of the force correcting the imbalance. Absolutely. Ultimately it ends up like it's, you know, it's like, um, something's wrong. So nature does this to try to correct it. Okay. Well we tried it. It's not working time for the, for the fire. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there's always that backup plan of sort of wiping everything out and starting from zero. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, looking at where the force ends up at the end of rise of Skywalker, like, so, mm-hmm. so like back when the sequels began, you know, I, I thought that, you know, by the end of it, you know, I was looking ahead years, but I, I always thought that we, at the end, we would see Ray standing alone as the, mm-hmm. the, the embodiment of balance. And, and, you know, that's not some sort of genius reach or like you know, this great pull. Like, I wasn't the only one that thought that. But it seemed fairly obvious to me that that was where the this whole thing was going. Like, she was going to be the one at the end uh, to carry the torch for whether it's the Jedi or the Force or balance, whatever. Like, I, mm-hmm. I never for a second thought that it would be a case of, of Ray and Ben standing together as some sort of yin yang representation of the light and dark like i never thought that for mm-hmm. one second like like in tfa i saw ray who for no real reason like she turns down the thing she needs the most right like she food she turns down yeah. 60 portions for no reason like it would have been she's not involved at this point it would have been like really convenient really smart of her to go mm-hmm. hell yeah give me that yeah. but but innately she didn't do that. Yeah. And I think, you know, that something compelled her to fight that selfish instinct. And, you know, we also see her in, also in, in TFA kind of give into the dark a little bit in, in her first duel with Kylo. And like, she's on the, on the verge of killing him. And, yeah. And again, through the last Jedi, she gravitates towards the dark a little bit, but she comes away each time without having succumbed to it, which some people see as like a Mary Sue type of element to her character. But like to me, that just meant that this per- this is somebody who, like Lucas is talking about, when it comes to like balance, is that you bend to the light, like and but you also acknowledge the dark. Yeah, it's there. It, you can't get rid of it. We all have it, but you can also, um, you know, you you you, you can you can sort of take that selfish dark and selfish aspect of yourself and, and still uh, not neglect it, um, but you can deny it in the mm-hmm. servitude of doing the right thing. And it, like the dark is really this quest of filling your, you're filling yourself with like these selfish desires and taking more mm-hmm. and not giving back. But the light is the opposite. You know, he talked about how um, the, the light is selflessness. And that was what Ray is or what she mm-hmm. what she was. And like to, to me, at the end of the day, when she's standing there on Tatooine uh, with the with the yellow lightsaber, which, you know, for me, like the yellow lightsaber was a very clear indicator, you know, with, with the, you know, the, the yellow lightsabers with the temple guards from from the from uh rebels and from clone wars series like she is now that guard of balance that's kind of how i looked at ray and that's kind of how i see balance again by no means permanent but if if you wanted to leave the force in a happy place and never go forward from episode nine i'm happy to kind of acknowledge it as sort of like this is the force in balance and ray is going to watch over that Forever, until until yeah, she expires. Well, well, what the Jedi the Jedi are meant to be guardians. The guardians of going back to the first thing we ever heard about the Jedi, the guard the guardians of peace and justice, mm-hmm. and that is ultimately peace and justice. That's 
that's harmony. That's balance. Peace. Peace is balance. Justice is balance. They're guardians of the balance. That's what they've always been, and that's their true, their true purpose. Their most truest purpose. And yeah, I mean, I I think Ray, like other characters, like like Anakin, or even Ben, they bend towards the darkness. Now, I don't think she bends towards the darkness in the way that they do. I think she more has dark tendencies. And that just makes her human. Um, but even even when she lashes out in darkness, uh, it's usually, um, and it's kind of an, almost an oxymoron, but it, she lashes out in darkness uh, in defense, whether it's in defense of herself or in defense of, I mean, look at Rise of Skywalker. When she uses the Force Lightning, she's trying to save Chewie. Um, in in Last Jedi, when she she kind of cross checks Luke in the back. <laughs> yeah, I mean she's she's you know, she's, she's like for answers. She and you know she's kind of in a way she's standing up for Ben Solo. Well, and she knows that her friends are in danger, and she's one. You know why won't you come and help me and my friends and your friends? And it's I mean it's all in in with the goal of of helping. Um. She just happens to be misguided a lot of the time. Uh, yeah, it's so, like when, when she stands, you know, some of the discourse that's that's taken place coming out of Rise of Skywalker. Uh, one of the things I see that I, I, I it makes me want to just start arguments, but there's no point. Uh, like when people say like, uh, you know, Ray is going to spend the rest of her days trying to find a way to bring Ben Solo back. And I'm like, are you out of, are you out of your mind? And I'm, tr- <laughs> I, I try to, I try to think about it. Cause like, that's the last thing I want to see. And again, it's nothing yeah. against Ben Solo, but it's the last thing I want to see out of star Wars is a resurrection story. Yeah. Because that would, that would mean, well, we've already had one actually. Have Technically. we? <laughs> yeah, Palpatine. Oh well, yeah. I mean, that's also been finessed, but like a straight that up was more than enough. <laughs> but like a straight up, this person is dead. This this person does not have a clone body to inhabit. Yeah, but it's but but it's just that it's just it's that right. It's it's the Sith inability to accept death. Yeah, to accept somebody's passing. If you have Ray now trying to play that game where she's can't accept Ben's death, yeah, what is she now? Not only that, I mean, but it negates his sacrifice. It wasn't much of a sacrifice if he's going to be dead for five minutes and then they're going to bring him back anyway. Right. Yeah, I mean, even if they skip ahead ten years and she spent ten years wherever trying to figure out how to resurrect him, yeah, like no, that. That's the most un-Jedi thing somebody could do is is to selfishly bring somebody back because I love them. I want them back. Yeah. That is so, oh oh god that just it just grinds my gears so much when I see people say well, that. It's like that was exactly Anakin's problem. <laughs> exactly Anakin's problem is that he could not accept it. Yeah. Which and this is kind of a bit of a tangent, but I mean it it's just so the one thing that I do like about Rise of Skywalker is that it adds this extra layer of tragedy to Anakin's story and Padme's story in that and what is it Anakin says to Padme love can't save you Padme <laughs> well and then Anakin we see, as it turns out and we see in Rise of Skywalker that love is what can save somebody. <laughs> Literally. Which, which, again, go look up a George Lucas interview, and he, what does he say? Love people. That's all that Star Wars is. Mm-hmm. And that, that's almost a direct quote. Yeah. And if, if your idea of Rey's future involves her resurrecting Ben Solo, you've lost the plot. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You, you've, you've, you've misinterpreted all of it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> all of it. The I Jedi, agree. the Sith, you, 
no. Like yeah, I, 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 I will agree, agree that uh, somewhere along the way, there is room for Jedi to have uh, love in their life. But now is like now, in this saga is not that place. It's over, like it it can't be that. Yeah, well, I mean that that's that's a whole other thing. I mean, I think I I think there is room for for that, and and seeing the Jedi at different different places um, along their doctrinal path, if you will. Um. But, I mean, you're never going to eliminate the risk of giving an individual or giving thousands of individuals uh, this immense power. There's always going to be the risk that some will fall. I mean, look at Dooku. Dooku is another Jedi who I would say bends towards the dark. And and if you read uh, Dooku Jedi Lost, I think it's pretty clear that Dooku is always bent towards the darkness. Um, Even Master and Apprentice. The, sure. You know, and it, that, it had... I think that's just part of the risk that you have to assume, that the Jedi have to assume, is that we're going to train these people, and we have to hope that they stay on the path, but eventually we might have to put some of them down. And that's, <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it works. And it's not because of the will of the force. It's just that that you know some have dark tendencies, and some will be able to combat those tendencies within themselves. But some of them are gonna are gonna you know submit to them, submit to the darker parts of themselves. So, which always begs the question is, when when Qui Gon brought Anakin to the council and they sensed all this trouble around Anakin, yeah, why did they, in God's name, why didn't the higher ups on the council say, "Leave him with us." This is a special case. Leave him with us. We'll handle well, it from here. Well, <laughs> especially when you say we've got. Oh well. So hang on. Wait a minute. The chosen one and the Sith are all like the chosen one shows up and the Sith appear all at the same time. <laughs> Maybe we should take like five minutes to evaluate what we're gonna do here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, again, like leave him with us. Let's have a closed door meeting here guys and try and figure out what's going on. Cause something is up the chosen one, the Sith in the same conversation. Like there's yeah. heady times coming guys. Let's, let's get our heads together here. Instead. They just kind of just rolled with it and said, Hey, Qui-Gon, he's yours. You do it. Yeah. And oh, I, I get yeah. it. That's, I mean, that's not how stories are told. So I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious, but uh, of course, but, but come know. on Yoda, you've got 800 years of experience in this. <laughs> and and again, like if you, if, if they're going to involve him in the high Republic stuff and get him involved in, in the, tr in whatever goes on there. And for him to 200 years later, goof again with Anakin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yoda in the high Republic is going to be, going to be interesting. No matter which way you cut it, it's going to be, it's it's high risk. <laughs> it's exactly it's a high risk and little reward in my view. Yeah, yeah, but I, again, I I don't see how he's not there. Yeah. So it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. You can't not have him being a part of it somehow. He's got to be no. somehow involved in in whatever Jedi adventures are going on. Yeah. My hope is that they just keep him to the outside. Yeah. Well. Maybe he's maybe this is a period where he's on Kashyyyk. <laughs> maybe that that would be a way to maybe he's he's on a some kind of mission on Kashyyyk and that's where he develops his relations with the Wookiees and and that keeps him out of the game for a while. Who knows? Yeah, there's got to be a good reason to put him somewhere, you know, somewhere out of the picture where he's not overly involved and decisions yeah. get made without him and. Because, yeah, I mean, otherwise what's going to happen is that Yoda's decision-making throughout hundreds of years is now going to look worse and worse and worse. <laughs> yeah, failing upwards, the Yoda story. <laughs> yeah, and then you know, by the time we catch up with him in, in Empire and Jedi and in The Last Jedi, 
he seems to have sorted it all out. Yeah. But you hate to see a guy who got, get it wrong for hundreds of years. You know, ugh, it, it's, well, it, maybe it's a good, maybe that's a good lesson against bureaucracy. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Anyway, not my story to tell, and I'm really looking forward to uh, to High Republic and, and to see how they further address balance of the force in, in, in another era. It's going to be really interesting stuff. But um, any final words? I mean, I think we kind of covered it. Uh, sorry, Rick. Sorry, Rick. That's all. <laughs> I'm sorry you're so wrong. Oh, you're not, you're not easing off. You're not easing up at all. I said sorry. <laughs> you're Canadian. You're supposed to. Uh, yeah, but I'm. Yeah, well, never mind. I won't get into it. <laughs> well, I mean, again, I think the for me again the the easiest takeaway that the the most naturalistic view of the force is just looking at planet Earth without humans and human involvement, and what would it do without us? It would keep spinning, yeah. and it would be perfectly fine. That's the yeah. way to. For me, that's the way I, I think I'll look at the force and, and then people, uh, and their actions, acting as as the light and dark pulling on that. Right. I agree. All right, everybody. Well, that's it for this episode of Luminous Beings. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, if you did, or even if you didn't, let us know. Uh, I'd love to hear your take on balance of the force. Uh, what you see especially how you see it wrapping up after the rise of Skywalker and uh, what you think they can do with it in the high Republic. Let us know what you think. Uh, you can do that by sending us an email to tumblingsaber at gmail.com. We'll definitely f- incorporate that into a future episode. Uh, otherwise you can find me on Twitter at tumbling saber and Nathan, you're at NAF Roberts on Twitter. And you can find us both in the tumbling saber closed Facebook group where no doubt we would love to have this conversation furthered. Uh, so find us there. Otherwise, uh, if you enjoyed what you heard, um, you can definitely become a powerful friend on Patreon where you would have gotten this episode much, much sooner. So go to patreon.com slash tumbling saber, check out what we have to offer. And, uh, if you're feeling up to it, sign up, become a powerful friend and, uh, you'll get Indeed. access to this and, uh, all the other stuff we do. Uh, So that's it, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Until then, may the Force be with you. Bye-bye.